0: Hello and welcome to the latest Argus Fertiliser Matters podcast. My name is Mike Nash and I'm the senior editor for the Fertiliser team based in London. Now today on the show we're going international and we're looking west of Suez and I'm very pleased to be joined by Jasmine Davis who is editor of the Argus North American Fertiliser Weekly Report and Flavia Pujone, Argus Agriculture and Fertiliser Editor for the Brazil Grains and Fertiliser Report. Jasmine's rise through the Argus Rants has been nothing short of meteoric. From joining the company in 2019, initially as an intern, she moved up the chain rapidly to become market reporter, then deputy and finally editor in October of 2022, managing the US fertilizer team in Houston. She holds a BSc in political science from the University of Houston. While Flavia has been with Argus since May 2019 and has been instrumental in the development of our fertiliser and agricultural coverage in Brazil out of the Sao Paulo office, Flavia began her journalism career back in 2000 and has held various editorial positions with companies such as Bloomberg and Thomson Reuters before joining Argus. She holds an MBA in finance from the FAI Business School. Jasmine, Flavia, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you both here.
1: Thank you, Mike. It's great to be here with you and Jasmine. Thanks, Mike. And hello,
2: everybody.
0: Jasmine's joining us from Seattle, so it's still early in the morning. But anyway, we'll plow on. So we wanted to look in this podcast at the US and the Brazilian markets. They're very much prime moving markets in what we tend to refer to those markets west of Suez. They're very important in terms of both their domestic industries, their fertilizer sector, but also their huge import markets for nitrogen, phosphates and potash. And not only that, but what happens in the US and Brazil both affects global markets and ripples out across the world. But there's a certain symbiotic relationship between the two in that they often compete for imports. And what happens in one market often affects the other. So, Jasmine, if I could turn to you first. Can you just in very brief terms explain just how important the US fertilizer system is to the global market and some of the sort of idiosyncrasies of the US market?
2: Of course. So the U.S. is a key producer and importer of several different fertilizer products, namely urea. We're also a main producer of phosphate and potash, especially if you consider our northern Canadian neighbors. As you had mentioned earlier, we do have an interesting dynamic with Brazil where we are often competing for those tons. So in that regard, the U.S. does follow global trends pretty closely. And the point from which we're doing that is often centered around the New Orleans market. So that is our key import market and Product That is used in the U.S. but not produced domestically is typically brought in either through New Orleans or the East Coast. And when it's brought in through New Orleans, it is barged north to various river terminals along our fairly extensive river system. So much like any other market, we are highly seasonal, and our peak in-season demand is typically arising around the mid-fourth and second quarters. So in the periods leading up to those spring and fall application seasons, we're very focused on drawing in imports and then executing these fill and prepay programs, all of which are geared toward helping build those inventories in anticipation of our peak agricultural windows.
0: That's great, thanks Jasmine. I think it's also important I should mention that there is a slide deck that's available with this podcast and one of those slides actually highlights both the main agricultural areas and that extensive river system. And I think just as an aside, that whole barge price, that New Orleans NOLA barge price, it's one of the few domestic prices globally that is still seen as a kind of a benchmark, isn't it Jasmine?
2: Yes, it is. And I think, forgive me if I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure that New Orleans urea price specifically might be our most liquid global price.
0: Yes, I think it probably is in terms of the transparency and the liquidity in that market. And that's one of the reasons why we obviously launched the daily prices as well, because it does move so often. So it's one of the most well documented prices globally. But I think it also, you know, that ability to attract imports, whether imports work, is the other factor. And obviously that ties into relative to where Brazilian CFR values are as well. Flavia, if I can just bring you in into Brazil in many top 10 comes out very high up in terms of certain imports, doesn't it? So maybe same question to you, Flavia, in terms of just how big and how important is the Brazilian market?
1: Brazil is a major importer of fertilizer. So just to have an idea, total deliveries yearly surpasses 40 million tons. Around 85% of that amount is imported. So the country is very important in the global market, of course. So whatever happens in other countries also impacts Brazil because it's competing with other countries for the fertilizer. Turning to some specific nutrients, MOP is by far the most used and imported fertilizer in Brazil because our soil is very poor in potash. And the nutrient is also used in several crops, not only in one or two specific ones. And then, of course, it's important to highlight that Brazil is a very big agriculture producer, being the biggest soybean producer and exporter of soybean, for instance. Back to the potash fertilizer, we see deliveries around 10 to 30 million tons, and almost all of it is imported. We have a very limited local production of potash. When it comes to MAP, Brazil is the largest importer globally and consumes around 5 to 6 million tons each year. Local production is growing, it's coming closer to 1 million tons, but it's still not enough to meet countries' needs, especially because soybean production has been growing and MAP is very used in soybean production. So this constant growing need for the nutrient keeps the demand for imports also very strong. When it comes to nitrogen, Brazil is the second biggest urea importer, after only India. Nitrogen in Brazil is mainly used for sugarcane and corn. And here again, we are talking about a constant growing production. This season, Brazil had a record corn production, and the country is expected to keep similar levels. Of course, it's too early to talk about numbers, but at least similar levels for the next season, meaning the demand for nitrogen is, of course, expected to remain strong.
0: Thanks, Larry. And I think as well, it's again, it's probably worth saying and a bit, a little bit like the US NOLA price, when people always used to ask me like, what is the price that's the best barometer of a certain market? We would often say Brazil because it's very much a free market. It's very much a spot market. Almost anyone can sell there. There are no real barriers to trade. It's very liquid. So it's very representative of potash prices, of, of MAP prices and of urea prices. So it's very much a a kind of a benchmark and features in, again, in many of our daily prices. If we could just move now back to Jasmine. So Jasmine, we've talked a little bit about the importance and the relevance of the US market. Maybe if you could give us a, a quick flavor of how the NPK markets are actually looking in the US as we move towards the end of the calendar year.
2: So right now we're in what's unfortunately a very interesting, but also very slow period across our fertilizer markets. So up until this point, we've essentially worked from the beginning of the fertilizer year through now to secure imports, to execute those prepay and fill programs thus far. And now we're at a point where growers are, for the most part, focused on the ongoing corn and soybean harvest. Most of the attention is on the fields. We've also passed some key shipping deadlines. So, when you're looking again at that extensive U.S. river system, obviously it's going to take some time to move product up from New Orleans to these various terminals, especially in the northern U.S. We do here have something called River Close that happens every single winter, where we essentially close the entire Upper Mississippi River to both northbound and southbound transit. So, where those deadlines are concerned, we have essentially passed the window from which you can bring product from New Orleans up the river into a fertilizer hub like Twin Cities, which is very important to the Northern Plains market. So we're focused on the harvest. We're past some of these shipping deadlines. And for the most part, and on most of our products, you have end users who have essentially secured, we can call it 90% of what they expect they're going to need for the fall application season. So right now, even though we're in a very busy agricultural season, we're at this point in fertilizer demand where we've done our best to build up these inventories. We're sitting around 90% of our anticipated need, and now we're waiting for the harvest to wrap up. We're waiting for ammonia applications to lead the way into dry applications and for those dry applications to work through that first bulk 90% of our inventory. At that point, we should see buyers reemerge in the market and layer in kind of the last little bits of that expected fertilizer demand. But right now we're in a situation, especially at NOLA and especially this week, where the U.S. market is keeping one eye turned toward global dynamics. So this week, something that drove a lot of trade, and I say a lot of trade relative, it was a pretty thin liquidity week in the U.S. this week. But there was a lot of tension on, for example, the Egyptian gas situation. So we have one eye to this global market and we are anticipating impacts on our fourth quarter efforts to build that import lineup and to secure tons for our typical winter fill period, which spans kind of around the holidays into January into the first quarter. But we're also looking at the domestic market and watching how applications and how harvest is going, and we're thinking ahead to forward concerns as we gear up for that winter fill period. So things like higher interest rates have increased the cost of carry, and we're wondering how that could impact buyer habits as we get into those springtime preparations. Could we see a return to -to hand-to-mouth buying or very hesitant buying? We're also looking at our import lineups, many of which are trailing the historical norm. And we're wondering if that is going to cause spot supply squeezes or if this potential return to hesitant buying could blunt the impact of those lower import lineups. So there are a lot of moving parts in the US right now. The main thing we're looking to see is one, how are fall applications going to shake up? What is that return to the market going to look like for the remaining bits of fall demand? And what are going to be the key drivers of both market sentiment and price direction as we move into that winter fill period? So we have those macroeconomic concerns. We have speculation about 2024 corn, soybean and wheat planting. It's too early for us to really give with any degree of certainty estimates for corn and soybean planting, of course, but we are beginning to hear discourse in the market about what happens to nitrogen demand. If, for example, we see a rise in soybean planting at the expense of corn planting. So all of these discussions are ongoing as we wait for more of that in-season activity to, I would say, snap us back into the present. One other really interesting thing that's happening in the U.S. market is the U.S. Department of Commerce has actually gone back and revised the import duties for phosphates from OCP and FosAgro. So what this stands to do is essentially shake up our trade flow on the phosphate fertilizer side to the U.S. And for us, the main products that we're looking at when we're talking about these import duties are going to be MAP and DAP, so, after we levied import duties in late 2020, early 2021, we did see trade flows to the US essentially upended. We went from having very steady supply from two very large producers, being Russia and Morocco, to having to source kind of spot and piecemeal supply from some non traditional origins for phosphates. So, we did essentially normalize or reach a new normal trade flow when it comes to DAP and MAP. But with these revised import duties, namely what is essentially a prohibitive rate for imports from Foss Agro and a significantly lower rate for OCP, we could see a situation where Foss Agro ceases shipments to the U.S. This is what the market expects will be likely given the increase to their rate. And there's also still some uncertainty as to whether the lower rate is going to bring OCP back into the U.S. market. So we have seen a lot of imports from Russia in the past couple of years, even though there was originally a duty levied after the result of these initial investigations. But we could see another shakeup to those trade flows. So that's something that the phosphate market is, of course, keeping an eye on as we move into what is the preparation for spring going to look like.
0: Thanks as many listeners, just to clarify, OCP is the Moroccan phosphate producer. FosAgro is a Russian phosphate producer. Up until relatively recently, the U.S. was sort of relatively self-sufficient in its phosphates. But over the last few years, it's become a major importer and its its local producers tend to concentrate on domestic and regional markets. So that has been in the first place the the U.S. becoming a major importer was a big change in trade flows really from sort of the early 2013, 2014 and the managed decline of the phosphate sector within the U.S. as rock reserves decline and also environmental pressures are brought to bear. Flavia, you've got to follow that. How does the Brazilian market shape up at the moment for MP&K?
1: In some sense, uh, some things are similar to what Jasmine said in US, like eyes are turned to the international market. So what happens with gas situation in Egypt, for instance, because, of course, this may affect global prices. But in Brazil, talking about a specific market, the moment is of low liquidity. Usually at this point, we'd be seeing more uh, movement and more demand in the nitrogen market or the winter corn. But corn prices have been falling a lot this year, making the barter rate less favorable for Brazilian farmers. So just to give an idea, given the current level of fertilizer CFR Brazil prices and corn prices in the city of Hondonopolis in Mato Grosso State, which is Brazil's biggest grains and oilseeds producer, farmers need currently to commit around 65 or 66 bags of corn to buy one ton of fertilizer. One year ago, to have an idea, this ratio was 48. And if you go back to the first week of November 2020, for instance, farmers needed to commit 28 bags of corn to buy one ton of fertilizer. So with this, the purchases have been delayed as buyers hope for lower fertilizer prices and higher corn prices to give a more favorable barter rate. This delay is also holding deals for potash that has low demand right now. And besides this low demand in Brazil, global producers say there's also few availability for loading this year. Now when it comes to MAP, it's a low season at this moment. We see some demand, but only in domestic market. We don't see this demand for imports because there's no time for imports to meet these last-minute needs for soybean planting. Soybean planting in Brazil is now currently underway. So to meet this last-minute demand, only product that is already available locally. And also it's important to highlight that Brazil is very big and the main production areas are located in the middle of the country, not in the cities near ports. So it takes a very long time for a product to go to the farms. So, of course, there's no time for import for this soybean season. So the few demand that we see is for product available domestically.
0: Thanks very much, Flavia, for that. If we could just go back, you mentioned the, the, the barter rate term. Maybe not all listeners are gonna be familiar with what that means. Can you just briefly describe what the barter rate means and because it's quite it's quite unique to the Brazilian industry, isn't it?
1: Yes, it is. Well, barter rate is a financial instrument Brazilian farmers use to buy inputs, namely fertilizer, seeds, and other chemical products needed to plant the crops. Usually what happens is the farmers negotiate with trading companies a certain amount of bags of soybean, corn, cotton, whatever the crop is, for one ton of fertilizer, a basket of NPK. And this is the main finance instrument for farmers in Brazil. So that's why it's very important when you talk about price is to mention what is this ratio of bags of corn or soybean for one ton of fertilizer.
0: Brilliant. That's a great explanation. Thank you, Flavia. Just lastly, I think we'll just pull this together now. Jasmine, we talked a lot about the U.S. market and where we are now. Very briefly, how do you see the next sort of 30 to 60 days panning out for for U.S. MP&K?
2: So as we look in near to medium term forecast, a lot of what we see in the U.S. market is really going to come down to the results of the current fall application season. So by all reports, we're expecting to see essentially near normal application levels across products. There are some spot concerns when you look at ammonia applications. We are hearing of some difficulties in certain parts of the Midwest with dry soil that could limit ammonia applications. So we have little concerns like that. We have this question mark surrounding the import duty situation with Morocco and Russia on the phosphate side of things. There is some confusion in the market on who will essentially exit the U.S. market share and who will return. So the change in phosphate import duties and subsequent trade flow should be a key driver of that market moving ahead. I think one thing the market can agree on is that assuming things go according to plan this fall application season, of course, that will ultimately come down to the weather. but Assuming things do go according to plan, we don't expect to see a lot of carryover in the market. So when we're looking at this potential upset to the trade flow, that's really going to drive what happens in the phosphate market moving ahead to this sort of spring preparation period because our replenishing of those inventories will be so dependent on what our import lineup ultimately looks like. Otherwise, kind of in a non-market-specific way, we are looking again at those larger macroeconomic concerns, the main one being, are there enough macroeconomic challenges in the U.S. right now that we could see this return to -to hand-to-mouth buying and all the consequences of that shift in buying behavior? So something like instead of seeing bulk buying in the winter fill period and the normal levels of volumes traded in, say, the first quarter, could we see a return to this kind of slower piecemeal, buy it as we need it? pattern of behavior from buyers which we saw this spring and typically this is associated with blunting the impact of demand on upward price momentum at the port but it can also lead to some supply shortages inland if you end up in a situation where your inland inventories have not been replenished in time because of that slower and more hesitant buying behavior so then we get into a more peak demand season and suddenly there's just not enough supply to go around So there are a lot of moving parts in the way of just sentiment and these import duties investigations and these potential changes to our import lineups that should ultimately drive market dynamics moving into 2024. But as far as near-term prices go, typically as we get into the peak season, we do begin to see a divergence between the NOLA port price and the inland river terminal and delivered prices. So... As I mentioned in a fairly long-winded response earlier, we are past the peak shipping window for moving barges inland. You can definitely still move a barge into the southern U.S. from NOLA, but your access to the Upper Mississippi River has essentially been cut off, and we're also facing some pretty extensive logistics challenges, which are manifesting as much longer delivery times for barges moving north from NOLA. So the shipping could be a problem when it comes to resupply for the fall, and that could exacerbate this typical trend we see where the river terminals will take an increasing premium over the NOLA market as we get into this peak fall application period. Moving on from there, I think most markets expect to see either stable to softening as we move into the end of the year and we turn our attention toward the holidays and toward these winter fill programs. Typically, we don't retain our in-season premium as we exit this timing.
0: We don't mind long-winded Jasmine. I like that. That was great. Thank you. I think it's important, again, referring to the listener just to the slide deck that accompanies it. The map on the right-hand side of the US slide shows that river system and just how much some of those regional terminal prices can disconnect from NOLA. It's not a simple NOLA plus freight because of the regional shortages or length in in those particular markets. Flavio, if I could just finally pass to you in terms how do you see Brazil shaping up over the next couple of months?
1: Right now, I think the main expectation is regarding the hump up in nitrogen demand for winter corn. As the window is coming to an end, we already expect to see some deals being pushed into early 2024 because of the price situation that I mentioned before. However, this may cause some logistical bottlenecks and potentially also increase prices for truck rates in the beginning of next year. So it's also more of a risk as these purchases are delayed into early next year. And also when it comes to new uh, shipments for corn, for winter corn, what we must see is more of uh, urea now and not ammonium sulfate because it comes mainly from China and there's no more time for that. So what you see is probably more urea demand for the next few months. When it comes to MAP, we don't expect significant price reduction, if any, in the near future, despite being off-season right now. This happens mainly because Brazil has a discount over other markets, so making it less interesting for global sellers. And besides, we already see some demand for soybean 2024-25 season that starts being planted only in September 24. So these two factors are expected to keep price levels. And now as the year is also coming to an end, focus are also on deliveries. Everybody wants to know what's going to be total deliveries of this year. And now overall estimates are around 42 to 43 million tons. But again, we see some potential delay of nitrogen and this could impact this final number for this year.
0: That's wonderful. Thank you both for giving me your time and for telling our listeners just what's happening in the US and the Brazil markets. It's always great to hear from people who can describe what's happening so succinctly and so clearly. So my sincere thanks to Jasmine Davis, editor of the Argus North American Fertiliser Weekly Report, and to Flavia Bohoni, agricultural and fertiliser editor for the Argus Brazil and Grains Fertiliser Reports. Thanks to you both. And as always, thanks to our listeners for tuning in. And don't forget to look out for the next episode, which we will record in a couple of weeks. Until then, for Argus Media, I've been Mike Nash. Thanks and bye for now.